Welcome to Israel War Briefing, a new podcast from the Jewish Chronicle, offering deep insight into the crisis in the Jewish state as it continues to unfold. I'm Josh Kaplan, digital editor of the Jewish Chronicle, and each week we'll be asking an expert commentator for analysis of the latest developments and reflections on what comes next. Today on the Israel War Briefing podcast, we're joined by Ed Isaacs, president of the UJS, the Union of Jewish Students. Ed's been president um, since June of last year, and um, he's got another few months left of his term. But um, Ed, it's it's been quite busy for you since October 7th, right? It definitely has been. And thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be uh, talking with you today. Uh, we went to our last Freshers' Fair on October the 6th at the University of Essex. And we were meant to spend that weekend just kind of having a relax, having a chill and getting everyone's kind of mind straight ahead of delivering an ambitious set of programming for the kind of term and year ahead. But sadly, as so many of us awoke to the news on October the 7th, we saw the largest wholesale massacre of Jewish people since the Holocaust. And while I knew that it would be bad on campus as a, resu- as a result of it, and we know there's a strong correlation between uh, conflict in the Middle East uh, and anti-Semitism on campus, what we've seen has just been truly unprecedented. And and when did that start? Was it was it pretty much immediately? Because I know like in London, you saw protests, you know, from the weekend of October 7th, pretty much straight away before there'd even been a, a military response. So when did you guys start picking up that there might be an issue on, on campuses? It was almost kind of instantaneous in the, the days afterwards. I remember receiving news a few days after October the 7th that a student union officer somewhere around the country had been arrested for giving a speech uh, in favour kind of, of celebrating the actions and glorifying the actions of Hamas, which was pretty shocking. I don't think we'd ever anticipated having to deal with that. But I think like so many experiences people have had since October the 7th, there was that kind of initial kind of... It, it, initial understanding that this was obviously devastating for the Jewish people globally, including all those in the diaspora and including students on campus. But I think it did not take long for people to kind of harbour the anti-Semitic views for the posts to go out celebrating this as some form of resistance. And it really kind of has spiralled since then. And of course, you know, ever since kind of uh, there's been a more of a response, particularly on Israel's side, things have just kind of escalated really like never seen before. Mm. And and were you a student during the last time there was a flare up in, in 2021? Yeah, and I was in Bristol at the time. And and how does this kind of compare to that? Because I remember seeing a lot of kind of anti-Semitism bubble up during that time as well. So I remember at the time in 2021, I, I remember again, like, like any time this conflict in the Middle East, like as Jewish people, we were concerned um, and the conflict in Israel, we were concerned. And we wanted to uh, um, really ensure that I guess our families and friends over there were safe and well. I, I do remember getting questions from kind of course mates, from flatmates, asking like, you know, what's going on? Surely as a Jewish person, you know, you must understand and you must be have all the knowledge. But it, it was nowhere near on the scale like um, what we've seen, what Jewish students are seen facing with now. I don't remember facing any direct anti-Semitism back then in 2021. But post-October the 7th, we'd seen uh, JSOCs receive death threats. We've seen Jewish students being physically assaulted on campus and so much more. And I know the CST report was released just this week. And that really 
is an eye-opener to the experience of not only our, our entire community, but also for students on campus as well. Mm. And I thought something that was quite interesting in the CST report is that it said that a lot of the new anti-Semitism that they're measuring is is coming from from younger people. Um, and were you were you surprised by that? I'm assuming because you do a lot of work at unis, you you weren't really surprised to hear that. Not in the slightest, sadly. We know, more generally speaking, within wider society, that younger people are getting their news from sites such as TikTok and are incre increasingly less reliant on mainstream media. And I think that's a, you know, a significant factor to take into account when explaining um, the prevalence um, of anti-Semitism on campus. And we've seen that rise by 203 percent, mm. uh, as outlined in the CST report. We are looking at various projects where people are beginning to wake up and recognize the issue about social media and it promoting um, extremism, it promoting polarization. But I think ultimately we really see our place as working with regulators, working with university leadership to ensure that firstly, students know that anti-Semitism has no place on campus. Secondly, this is what it is if you were to find out more. Thirdly, these are the consequences. And fourth, this is how to report it. Mm -hmm. and that's really been our focus. Yeah. And and are you seeing a lot of, I mean, you know, we've seen incidents and protests in Birmingham and in Leeds and, and Manchester in the, in the last few weeks. Are you seeing this kind of at every university you work at or is it just kind of limited to certain little kind of hotbeds, I guess? It's it sadly has not been limited in the slightest and it completely varies in terms of how it's manifested. And I should say, like, I think it's important to recognize, for example, there are problems both on a structural level, but also on a cult pervasive cultural level as well. You can address the kind of structural issues by having a phenomenal vice chancellor at a particular university. But nonetheless, you can still have Jewish students um, feeling victim to the pervasive cultural issue on campus, um, which can plague the Jewish student experience in that respect. Um, I appreciate that uh, the incidents in Oxford and Cambridge, uh, Bristol, uh, in Not um, Birmingham and Nottingham and elsewhere have really picked up the headlines, particularly the JC and other papers as well. Um, but uh, sadly, we have had calls um, and working with students from universities in Aberdeen to anywhere and everywhere else across the UK and Ireland. Yeah. And and I guess, you know, part of this is because there's a certain part of the student experience that has been for like at least 50 years that, that students are, you know, primarily, well, not primarily, but they're interested in protesting, right? And, you know, do you think there's a way to protest, you know, the Israeli government without being anti-Semitic for, you know, on campus? Of course there is. And fundamentally, I like to think that we as a Jewish community and as at UJS have been at the forefront of legitimately showing dissatisfaction with at times the current leadership of, or the leadership of the current Israeli government while doing so legitimately and nonetheless remaining resolute in our Zionism, however that manifests amongst much more. Um, and I think that... Uh, the wider kind of uh, student political, you know, wider student politics can learn a huge amount from the way that we as a community kind of conduct our advocacy, conduct our engagement on this particular topic. Mm. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but when I was at university, it, it felt like a lot of the people that were very interested in causes like this, you know, although they were very, very vocal, they were a minority and the majority of people at uni just want to, you know, have a good time and study their course and kind of get on stuff without protesting in any kind of way. 
Totally, absolutely spot on. And I think often we give so much oxygen and voice to these extreme, extreme minorities. We forget about what it will often is a quite literal silent majority in that respect. But nonetheless, we have to remain resolute in knowing that they are our focus here. I remember speaking recently with a, an SE officer, I think it was at Exeter, and they rang up to our office just to understand how some, you know, just what messaging they can be giving to their JSOC and to the wider student community, which would be supportive. And I said, listen, I think it's quite simple. They're asking me about protests, etc. I said, this is quite simple. Jewish students can be proud, unapologetic Zionists, while also deeply caring and being true to their Jewish values, and therefore deeply caring about the cause of Palestinian human rights. And the two are not mutually exclusive. And they were taken aback as like, this is some received wisdom. This is the greatest thing that they've kind of ever heard in that respect in helping square the circle of what the current, their current situation on campus. But I think we've got to really stick by that messaging and ensure that the, this silent majority in that respect feels confidence in knowing that they can respect and engage with Jewish students who are unapologetic Zionists. Mm-hmm. And while doing so in the knowledge that they can deeply care for and advocate for the cause of Palestinian human rights. Yeah. And and with that in mind, has it got harder to do those sort of events like, you know, your average Friday night dinner or something that's Jewish and has absolutely nothing to do with Israel? Is it is it harder to do that when the whole world is caring so much about Israel? I'd say it's been harder to do it on campus. And we've definitely seen instances of where, of where JSOCs um, have come to us saying that they feel uncomfortable doing said event on campus and can we support them um, in ensuring the event still happens off campus? And of course, the answer to that always is yes. But I think actually fundamentally, we've seen engagement with just Jew- Jewish student life in general increase like never seen before. I remember I was uh, last term went for spent Shabbat in Edinburgh and I just had Jewish students coming up to me saying, I've never engaged with JSOC before. I'm not religious. This has never really been a space for me, but I've just got to be in a Jewish space right now. I've, I'm craving this kind of like sense of belonging in that respect, because fundamentally you can have, uh, you you know, fundamentally that uh, the experience that the Jewish people and Jewish students have had in recent months is pretty unique in that respect. And Jewish students just want to feel that safe, that kind of safe sense of belonging and of comforts with other Jewish students, too. Yeah, and I think a lot of Jewish organisations have kind of seen that, that people want to be in a, a sort of safe space and, you know, at the very least not have to talk about Israel, right, or not have the responsibility of, you know, educating people that, that they're in conversation with. Um, I was also wondering, have you had, since October 7th, any Israeli students reach out to you and, and need support? Because I think my experience of the UJS from when I was at Union, JSOX, is that they were mostly there for British, religiously observant Jewish students. Um, and maybe there wasn't really a need for, for, for a sort of separate Israeli sock or whatever. But have you have you guys found that you've been able or you've needed to kind of support Israelis in, in the UK? For sure. And uh, it's been a you know, it's been a key part of our response moving forwards. And totally, it's always an area that we can improve on. But we have two awesome um, Israeli colleagues who work in our, um, our office, uh, Adi and Lenoy. And they have done the most phenomenal job in creating a community of Israeli um, Jewish students 
who really have kind of felt like they can come together at events that them they have put on since October the seventh. I remember there was one event that they put on in our office. It was a, a therapy dog and sushi event. And while I, my my Hebrew really is lacking to really have understood much of the conversation, uh, I, nonetheless, was a, there was a great vibe around the event. And uh, there's been a few more since. And uh, it's been lovely to have been able to support such a community at such a necessary time. And I can only begin to imagine kind of what you know they're going through and how they're experiencing um, campus life at the moment. Yeah, because I think, I guess for them, it's, it's, you know, if you're a British Jewish student and, you know, you don't wear a kippah and you don't stand out as obviously Jewish, it's it's kind of easy in a way to sort of blend in, right? Whereas if you're Israeli and someone asks you where you're from because you have an accent, you know, you can either lie or, you know, you can't can't really avoid it. So I've always thought that would be um, a bit tough. Talking a little bit about kind of attitudes on campus generally, you know, either in staff or, or in other students. Um, Hadley Freeman wrote in the JC this week, actually, that... Um, Britain seems to be into adopting American politics, right? You know, especially, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and the anti-police thing in 2020. To what extent, I guess, do you think that the current campus sort of anti-Israel movement is informed by what's happening in America and places like Harvard and, you know, these big prestigious schools where they've got very, 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 you know, angry student bodies against Israel? I firstly, I think I'd want to reassure your listeners by saying that thankfully, what we've seen in on the on UK campuses has been, has been different to America. Um, what we see in America is some pretty heightened, you know, pretty horrendous situation. Where, for example, right now we are already beginning to see a number of lawsuits brought against universities and amongst much more in that respect. And thankfully, that just isn't the case in the UK. Um, and again, while we do have a loud vocal minority, thankfully, I think I, I take comfort in a huge amount of groundwork that was done over many years in the run up to October the 7th. A few years ago, UJS ran a campaign to get almost every university to adopt IRA. And I'd like to think, thankfully, as a result of the success of that campaign, we now have a fundamental tool that we can hold universities to account to. And don't get me wrong, I'm not kidding myself that universities have been perfect by any means in how they implement their kind of, uh, and how they use the IRA definition of anti-Semitism. But nonetheless, it is a great tool that we as a community and we as UJS can use to hold um, to hold universities to account. And, and do you feel, generally speaking, you have the support of leadership at a lot of universities? You know, I think the Bristol case with David Miller has shown us that the university were prepared to take robust action against a professor. But I mean, would they would they be as open to, to kind of stamping out that attitude among students? So I, I think there are a number of challenges in that respect. And I think it would be remiss of me not to touch upon the issue of free speech on campus at this point. Um, and fundamentally, we have seen real challenges on campus and stamping out extremist anti-Semitic speakers. And again, it would be wrong of me not to touch upon the government's kind of new Higher Education Freedom of Speech Act which, while pushed through Parliament for a number of separate reasons, sadly has actually had um, a number of implications which have often legitimated extremist anti-Semitic speakers on campus, even when every piece of mitigation, mitigating steps has been put in place. Nonetheless, we have seen these speakers on campus. And so while universities might want to take action, they often at times are telling us that they feel like legally they have no grounds to do so, 
um, which is really, really complicated. And we're working with the Department for Education um, and with others in the sector to uh, address these issues. But it, uh, don't get me wrong, it's a real challenge. And um, I, will, I think it will continue to be a challenge for at least for the next few months at the very least. And, and I guess what would you say to people who, who would suggest that, you know, no one should be banned from campus and, you know, the only way of getting rid of these ideas, if you want them out of society, is to have them in the open and challenge them and debate them. And that the idea of, you know, quote unquote, banning people from campuses is is counterproductive because it, it makes these ideas seem more alluring uh, and therefore gain more popularity. I think I'd start by saying that it's it's fundamental to recognise that speech exists within a context. and for a university for to lend its name and to uh, have lent its kind of approval to an individual to speak on campus who harbors such resentful hatred to see you know, such resentful racist hatred against another group i see the two as um, the, the two can't exist um they can't exist uh, together in that respect um and so you know speech exists in the context and um, I think universities must be places where universities promote kind of like the academic rational thinking that students are expected to bring to their seminars, to their lectures and to much more. And take take your, you know, anti-C might take the anti-Semitic hatred of David Miller, for example. You only have to read the first sentence of one of his kind of, I guess, diatribes to understand the conclusion. You only have to see kind of him to begin to touch upon the Zionist entity to know that it ends with the Jews in that respect. There is no rationality to it. And therefore, I would really question the value of such hatred being displayed on campuses and how that could possibly benefit the education of the student body. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's, um, it's, you know, especially in the case of Miller, I think it's 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 very kind of out and out and obvious. I think the where the issues might come into is is where it's, you know, a few steps further removed from that, where it's much more ambiguous and and potentially people are, are you know, being a little bit more more subtle with their kind of dog whistles about about Jews. Um, but I mean, you know, going forward, <laughs> what would you say is a reason for for Jewish students on campus to be optimistic, you know? What if you were speaking to parents who are worried or concerned about sending their child to to Manchester or Leeds or Birmingham or Nottingham or anywhere these unis where historically Jews have gone in large numbers? What would you say, I guess, A, to reassure them and B, to kind of entice students into to having faith in, in university as a, as a whole? Sure. I think in answer to that question, we've actually got to begin by looking at the Jewish students themselves. And while we've touched upon so far the challenges that Jewish students have, have faced. I don't think what we, we haven't mentioned yet how Jewish students have responded, because fundamentally we have seen the resilience come through like never before of Jewish students in the face of adversity. And, and that really gives me hope that Jewish students still see value in living meaningful Jewish lives on campus, which is phenomenal. And so much of the response that we have been supporting has been led by the Jewish students themselves, whether that's been, you know, sitting in on meetings and leading meetings where JSOC presidents have held vice chancellors to task over their lack of action over anti-Semitism, or whether that be kind of JSOC leadership taking it upon themselves to meet with their kind of partners at other faith organisations who may have responded um, pretty badly to the events of October the 7th, to explain to them why what they've said is so hurtful and why there is still value in interfaith, for example. That really gives me faith and I hope reassures 
um, the wider community that there is still a fundamental place for Jewish students on campus. But second for that, I'd hope that our work at UJS can also reassure the wider community too, that in our work to lead, defend and enrich Jewish life on campus, Jewish students are still having a phenomenal time. I know we've talked about the events at the extreme in that respect, but I think the majority of Jewish students just want to be able to get on with their lives and have a good time. We had our annual convention and conference back in December, which was the largest we've ever seen. And that was just a great time for students to come together, to have a party and uh, to really enjoy. And so uh, I hope that, again, also reassures the wider community that students, Jewish students are just getting on with their lives. And just finally touching upon um, the universities, while, again, we have not seen anywhere near perfect responses to the events that we've seen, we all have some really fantastic colleagues in the higher education sector, including Universities UK and a number of vice chancellors, too who may not know the answers, but they're willing to listen. And I think that's the most important thing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us, Ed, and uh, good luck with it all. Thank you so much, Josh. Lovely to chat with you all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Israel War Briefing with me, Josh Kaplan. As a reminder, all of our episodes are available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.